0: This is
1: Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.
2: Hi, I'm Brooke Harvey Taylor, and what I love about beauty is that it speaks to us all in so many ways. Um, My favorite quote about, it's kind of about beauty, but my favorite quote is from Rumi. And it's, let this beauty, let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. And at Pacifica, we borrow this quote and say, let let beauty be what you do. And it speaks to my belief that your activism, who you are as a person, and how you live your life is what makes you beautiful, not the makeup you choose or your skin. It's how you walk on this planet and how you choose to be grateful for your time here. And how you choose to, to kiss the ground is what defines beauty for me
1: from new york city you're listening to beauty is your business covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry hi this is abby wallach for Beauty is Your Business. I'm here today with some fantastic ladies and co-hosts, guest hosts. We have Jillian Wright, the co-founder of Indie Beauty Media Group. Hi, Jillian.
3: Hi, Abby. Great to be here.
1: So exciting to see you. And we also have Tina Hedges, who is the CEO and founder of Lolly Beauty.
0: Hey, Abby. Nice to see you.
1: Thanks, Tina. So excited to have you. And our guest today is Brooke Harvey-Taylor, who's the CEO and founder of Pacifica Beauty. So welcome, Brooke. Thank you.
2: I'm excited wow. to be here.
1: Such a great group of ladies. So exciting um, in the middle of this pandemic to put together really a stellar uh Group of talent. So Brooke, let's dig in a little bit into your brand and your background. Can you share with us a little bit about how you started in the beauty industry and how you eventually moved into this incredibly inspiring brand that you're going to share with us today? Yeah, for
2: sure. Um, So I can't tell our brand story without really talking about my childhood. Um, And I feel like so much of what is Pacifica was formed when I was younger. Um, my I grew up on a little cattle ranch in Montana and we canned our own food and raised our own animals and um, I had a horse and I was really connected to nature and I was a 4-H kid so we would raise baby animals and they slept in our bed and I really spent a lot of time with my lambs and my sheep and I became really attached to to farm animals that were really like my pets, and we would then take them and sell them at an auction, and my mom always told us, oh, these are we're selling the animals, and then we're buying other animals, and those were the animals that we wound up eating. And it was later that I realized, I made the connection between the fact that we were eating these animals, even though they were raised humanely and we loved them, but um, they were my pets. And so it led me to this, in Montana at the time, um, you know, veganism wasn't even a thing. We didn't, nobody really talked about it, but it led me to this path of really thinking about animal welfare and animal rights and veganism. And, um, and I, I really started researching PETA and it was really, really, uh, I think a important part of my, um, development around how I was thinking about being vegan and cruelty-free. Um, and it led to, we've, our brand being vegan and cruelty-free since day one. And my mom was also a really early adopter of natural products. When I was um, 10, she was diagnosed with MS and she started looking at food really differently. And she, we didn't have a lot of money. So she had my sister and I volunteer at the local food co-op for a discount so she could get her supplements there. And it was really cool because my sister and I would stock the beauty shelves at, our, at this little food co-op. And we learned a lot about you know it was Dr. Bronner's back then, and Rachel Perry, and all these early, early brands. Um, and this was my first exposure to natural beauty. And I would kind of fantasize about what it would be like to have my own beauty company and what that would look like, and um, and what I would how how things would smell and and colors, and um, and then I wound up going to school in, in Eugene, Oregon. And um, because that's what I knew, I wound up also working at a health food store there. And I became an assistant to the buyer, and I learned a lot about the natural product space and that side of the business from more of the wholesale. And I was lucky enough also to apprentice with an aromatherapist at the time, and she introduced me to herbs and essential oils and alternative healing and it was just, it opened up this whole new perspective for me, but mostly I was obsessed with perfuming and I would sit in the, the back room while she was doing her healing work and I would start perfuming with her oils and, and I started making my own perfume vials and taking them home with me and sharing them with friends. And she wound up moving back to England, where she was from, and she left me her entire essential oil library, this like beautiful little box full of these magical scents and so I started making my own perfumes much more um, I would say robustly, and I would start selling them at the little Saturday fair. I'd set up my little booth there and I, I went to the Grateful Dead Show and sold a bunch of perfumes and this is real that was really the beginning of of how I started creating my own products. And um, then I met my husband, Billy, and he was an entrepreneur and kind of this, he was an action sports filmmaker at the time. And he hired me to work on a snowboard film with him. And so we spent about three months traveling around the West snowboarding and we fell in love and we moved to Portland. And when we got to Portland, I was like, I have to find a job and I have to start working again. And he said, don't find a job, just do something that you love. And he really pushed me and, to this day, he's my biggest champion and um, one of my biggest supporters and my biggest uh, fan, and really believes in what I do. And and he and I—that's uh, we were both we were both surfers and we were both you know surfers, snowboarders, and we—that's um, how the name Pacifica came about. We were on a, a drive to the coast going to go surfing, and we were like, what should, "What should we call this this company?" and and we were listening to um, Astrid. Gilberto, who's a Brazilian jazz singer. And there's a song where they say Pacifica over and over. So we were like, that's our, that's our, that's our name. And, um, and then we, we, I made seven perfumes in our kitchen and we took them to a trade show in San Francisco. We packed up our Volkswagen van. We, We, um, we sound like that sounds kind of, um, so cliche but um, we did we packed up our Volkswagen van full of perfumes took them to a trade show and then had a huge response like people were totally into what we were doing so we had to come back to Portland and we set up a little perfume factory basically on our own and um, and just this this sort of really fun time in our business started and I I remember that we were in this this old warehouse where we were working it was it wasn't um, our kitchen anymore and Um, and I would perfume and then we would put our perfumes in candles and in bottles and we would go out late at night and there was such a fun music scene in Portland. And, um, it was just a really cool time. And I, I feel like it really defined Pacifica's personality as sort of this activist rebel spirit that fights for what's right and, and loves good music and vegan food and working really hard. And I think that, um, Real brands have a DNA, and that—that's Pacifica's DNA, and that's—that's, that's, to me, that's—that's our—that's kind of our origin story. How we started the brand, how Pacifica got started.
1: All right, who wants to be Brooke? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's such an amazing journey. Thank you so much for sharing it. So yeah. let's dig in a little more. And I love that you chose the name of the brand for the song. You know, yeah, it you know all that has some. You know, I don't, but I'm going to listen to it after we get off the podcast. I
2: can't remember the name of it.
1: Corcovado, I think. That's so great. You know, when the found when a founder shares their story and you hear the heart and the soul of the story, that's really the most meaningful, I think, because you know, everybody starts somewhere, right? And it's a journey to get from where you began to where you are today. So let's dig in a little more into the brand itself and how after you had that trade show, how did you start to build and scale? Um, Pacifica. And when did you, I'm curious to know when you went from the trade shows to the online, like how, tell us a little bit about the evolution of, of the brand.
2: So once Pacifica got rolling, once we, we continued doing trade shows and our big break, I would say was getting launched by Whole Foods. So Whole Foods picked us up in every single region and it was so important to us and so exciting and so meaningful and they they really helped. I think I would I would say that's where our brand grew up was in Whole Foods, and we learned um, we used their extensive no list as essentially our our no list Bible. Um, we I was able to speak to the at that time really the leaders around I, clean and how they were defining what is what was clean and natural um, around. The way that they thought about it, and how they were educating brands, and how they were guiding brands, and it was really a fun time. Um, I from there we launched, continued to launch in other retailers like Ulta was our, an early launch for us. We launched, we did a test store in twenty three stores, and then we launched in Target, and we just continued growing. So we we wound up adding skincare and body care and um, a whole Hair care and a whole, um, I would say, library really of products that speak to your wellness and your well being. And they have this sort of secret little aromatherapy going on behind the scenes. And we uh, continue to grow from there.
3: I first discovered Pacifica at um, Ricky's on the Upper East Side. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. In Manhattan. And that back in the day, probably the early. I don't even remember what, when it was, but I would go into Ricky's and I would pass all the wigs and all the makeup. And I'd go to the section of Pacifica because I was attracted to the packaging. And of course your candles were just so gorgeous and, and inspirational. And this was way before, you know, IBE and IBMG, but your brand was definitely an inspiration to me creating this platform for independent beauty brands. Um. I have a couple of questions. I read somewhere that you kind of put blinders on and you don't focus on your competition. You focus on you and your brand as a creative brand. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I love that. Thank you for asking
2: that. I do consider our brand to have a real rebel spirit. I am not a big networker in our industry and I have stayed really behind the scenes and I don't like to look at trends or you know really look at at what other brands are doing I find it kind of stressful and there's so much competition in beauty and it's it's so intense and there's so many people doing incredible things so for Pacifica and for me it's been really important to Focus in on what we love and our core value, which is compassion for animals, humans, and the planet, and and see everything we do through that lens. And to mostly, I get my inspiration from the food industry and from what's happening in in like we. I love going to Expo West when it was going on in in Anaheim and seeing what was coming around the corner for food trends, but but not so much beauty. And I think that. For brands to, especially if you're an up-and-coming brand, my I always advise fellow founders to not look outside at other beauty brands, to not try and see where they can fit in just be themselves and be the brand that you want to be and that's where you're going to have the most success that's where you're the most authentic that's where your consumers will resonate with you that's where you'll have more meaning and so that's been something that's been really important to us and I think has helped in our longevity and it doesn't mean that we're we've always been the same so we you know we've we started in perfumes and pivoted and we've really stayed i would say um nimble and and modern and tried to serve our com- consumer at every single um point they're they're looking for us to serve them and that's the other piece that's really important is for us just listening to our consumer leaning in hearing them spending time considering do we have permission to go into this category do we have permission to do this like those things have been really important to us as a brand and Have and also I find my inspiration with our consumer. Our consumer is really exciting, and especially Gen Z coming up, which is is turning out to be a consumer that loves Pacifica. We, I'm so inspired and motivated by this next generation.
0: So, um, Brooke, first of all, huge congratulations! Like I remember the early days of Pacifica, and. What really excites me is you are living your dharma and that's why your brand is unique. And when I look sideways and I look what's happened with like this templated venture capital private equity like stamp of let's just take like a millennial, you know, font and let's throw it against a direct to consumer brand. And now, oh, whoops clean is trending. Let's like talk about clean and but there's no soulfulness. And what distinguishes your brand is like it's really coming from the soul, and I love that you quoted Rumi because well, first of all, he's an incredible poet but, um, and prophet. but um I live my life with a quote you know that no, you know, I sort of made up myself, but I say, I won't build my happiness on someone else's unhappiness." And I think you share the same sort of mantra, you know, that's the core of what you're doing, kiss the ground. And like, it's just so inspiring. So then my question is, when you look sideways, and you don't look at competition, but you just kind of look at where the world is evolving. And there's so many ways for brands to fake that type of spirit. Like, what do you feel about that? You know, because People are looking at your brand and what you're saying and your messaging, and your positioning, and then they're just trying to, like, duplicate it. Like, what's your feeling about that sort of template and where the industry is going and kind of faking the clean, conscious position?
2: Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I like to think that all ships rise and I have to set, I have to ground myself in that. There have been a lot of brands that have been, let's just call it inspired by Pacifica over the years in many different ways. Um, and veganism as being vegan as a brand is now a trend. And, you know, brands are saying they're going to switch to being vegan. They didn't start that. That's not their core. Um, but I Set out with the idea that I was going to make a difference, and I'm just one little brand and one person. And so, if my influence on the beauty industry has been positive, and if Pacifica has been able to elevate the way people are thinking about ingredients and elevate the way they're thinking about sustainability, and that we can, that I actually am making having an impact, even if sometimes it feels like I'm being knocked off, or sometimes it feels like my word, you know, I see brands using words that I've used in the past and, um, and it still sits, I'm fine with it because I really truly believe that in the end, um, I, I don't love how the beauty industry in the past preyed on, on women, whether it was, you're not pretty enough, you're not good enough. And, and the imagery. And I also then don't love the way that even there's still some of that going on. You're not healthy enough. You're not using the right ingredients. That you... So I would love it if we could get to a point in the beauty industry where all brands are thinking about health and safety and, and their consumers' well-being, and that all brands are thinking about animal welfare and being cruelty free, and that it shouldn't be an industry built on pain or suffering of others, that we should We all should be able to rise up above where we've been. And so if Pacifica can help lead that or be a part of that, I'm I'm really proud of that. And I'm okay with it.
1: That's a great answer. No, well, you know what? You're being true to who you are, and there are always leaders in the market, and trends start, and you hope when it's a great trend, it leads into the mainstream, and that's the whole point, right? You want to be able to use your voice in a way that's meaningful, that's effective, and people, because you've done this and you've gone down that path... You can be an expert and lead that movement and get people on your path. So, you know, based on that, I'd love to dig in a little bit to your social media platform, Brooke, and and your voice, because you really have a beautiful story and curious to know how often or how much do you personally communicate and engage with, with the Pacifica uh, con- customer? And how are you leading them in a day-to-day basis? Because I think, you know, you have a beautiful spirit and, you know, it's like a one-by-one thing, right? We all have communities that we speak to, but when you can touch someone and help them in some way, how are you doing that in your life? I, and business.
2: That's a great question. I, I'm i not very active on social media because I'm so, I spend so much time working. And and I spend so much time behind the scenes. I'm lucky enough to have only in the last year and a half been able to create a marketing department to help support that. Um, And I think that getting, I would love to get my voice out there more, and I would love to get my story out there more. I do need to sit back and maybe not work as much and and be able to, to speak more about what I think. I think that you know, we have over, in 2020, our brand didn't sit back and didn't stay quiet on our own page and our own social media. And I mean, I think that the reality is, as, as women, everything is, you know, we got a little flack for stepping into politics and, and our, some of our consumers said, don't be political and beauty. And I think how, as a woman, is your entire life not political? Like you are, your body's politicized. And so I think being able to take a stand and being able to say your truth and speak about it where you have a place and, and if you are influential and if you have a moment to be able to do that, I think it's really important. And so that is something that we do at Pacifica. And we speak a lot about animal rights, or activi- uh, veganism. Um, we support the ACLU in a really big way. And it's, it's authentic and it's true to who we are. And it's what we've always done. Um, it's not that we just jumped into the fray randomly. It's, it's always been a part of, of my life. I've always considered myself an environmentalist, and um, I've worked really hard uh, as a young person and throughout my entire career to make sure that we're using sustainable packaging, really thinking about how when we're using plastic, using PCR, how we can improve what we're doing every single day as a brand. And it's something that I work really, really hard to do and think about. And so I feel like being able to talk about it and and share that is really important.
4: Have you taken a look at StoryDot yet? Every brand and every product has a story to tell. And you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point in their journey, connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience, and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at StoryDot at StoryDot.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-D-O-T.com.
3: I love your brand for so many reasons. First of all, it's gorgeous. It's inspiring. And it's affordable. It's accessible to a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily be able to afford luxury indie beauty. And one thing I love about Pacifica, not only are you what you're saying in terms of like feminism and politicizing the beauty industry and whatnot and taking a stance, you're also taking sustainability one step further and you're not sitting on your laurels like What you were doing in 2018 isn't necessarily what you're doing in 2021. You're constantly reinventing how you can take care of the planet and how you can take care of the people who love your brand. I would love for you to just talk about that sustainability element to Pacifica because you are in Whole Foods and Ulta and Target and these really big box retailers. You have a lot to manage so I'd love to hear your thoughts on taking that sustainability that one step further. Yeah,
2: I'll, I want to back up, though, because I really appreciate that you brought up accessibility. And, and I have a really clear position on accessibility and fairness and justness. And I think having been a kid who didn't grow up with a lot of money, I've, I've always struggled with the idea that people with more money have better access to healthier ingredients, better food. Better healthcare, you name it. That's that's what happens right now in a, in a lot of situations. So it wasn't an accident that we focused on creating price sensitive products with the best ingredients. I want, really, really wanted Pacifica to be accessible to everyone, and that's also why we're in the retailers we've chosen to be in. I want to make sure that we're where our consumer is shopping. We're available there, and um, and it's it's a huge core value for us and um as far as sustainability goes uh we i'm really excited to say that we're one of the few brands um to be on Ulta's Conscious Beauty Council which is exciting and we're one of the few brands that meets all of their pillars uh and so it's such a nice time for our brand because we're almost 25 years old this will be our 20, we're going into our 25th year anniversary and we have a really deep commitment to sustainability and Jillian i love that you're pointing out that it's not a linear path sustainability and and how you get there is it come it's it's very windy and it's something may not be right tomorrow that felt right today and so it's been really important to be able to to change to understand what's going on i spend a lot of time i know So much about um, recycling, and I'm on. um, I'm member. I'm a goofy member of like all sorts of different recycling coalitions because I really believe in being able to um, keep this closed loop uh, recycling system going. And I want to learn more, and I always want to understand more. And there are so many things that change in. Um, the recycling industry, and so that is something that we've worked a lot on, and also focusing on our on our footprint as a brand. We're doing something this year that I can't wait to talk about. It's not it's not done yet, but we are really looking at what is our brand footprint. Um, how are we thinking about it? How do we measure it? How do we start speaking about it? And how do we take full responsibility as a brand for um, carbon? and And everything that we're doing and and how do we create a system that makes um, what we're doing more net zero, and how do we really uh, start talking about that to our consumers? so that's Something in the works right now. Um, but we've always used FSC paper. We have our own recycling program that's a closed loop recycling program where we work with Preserve Five and um, they take back our number five plastics and turn them into razors and toothbrushes so that we can show the consumer that really if you do, if you create a value, you can, it no longer is garbage and it comes out of the waste stream and goes back into the system. Um, and also like our eyeshadow palettes, you know, I just cringe when I see a big plastic eyeshadow palette, it's just garbage and it's not recyclable. There's nothing you can do with it at that point because it's mixed plastics. You have metal in there. Um, so we, uh, 10 years ago created a, an all paper eyeshadow palette. And we now over the last couple of years, we have a biofilm that we've, that we use that slides in and out. So, you know, so we can actually show the consumer what's in there versus using a piece of plastic to show them. So we're constantly innovative in, innovating and it's you know it just means staying awake and watching and learning and subscribing to every single trade magazine and getting totally geeky about packaging and plastics and recycling but it takes a lot of work and it's it's a really important part of of what we do and something that's really meaningful to me. I don't think any brand has the luxury of not Considering their footprint on the planet,
0: so Brooke, we have to geek out together. <laughs> um, and we're as a zero waste um, brand, we I'm all about open source. So I believe in sharing, you know, the technologies, the the partnerships, everything, because just like you, we want to w- elevate the whole industry. It's not just about Lolly or just about Pacifica. I live in New York City and. What's so sad is that, you know, because recycling is like state to state, right? They get to make their own and even city to city. They make you think that recycling actually works, but all, even if you're separating, everything still goes to a landfill. So it's like, there's so much on a, like, you know, um, state level, city level level. It's different East Coast to West Coast. And there's so much misunderstanding out there, like just about recycling plastic is one thing. But I'm going to make you kind of cringe and laugh at the same time. I started my career in the big beauty multinationals. I won't say which one in particular. And, you know, the majority of our business was at holiday with what they call the blockbuster, which was like those crazy plastic, you know, train cases of like a thousand makeup palettes, all plastic made out of China. And when I think about that, and I think about just even what they do at holiday with merchandising in store that lasts for six weeks and it's all plastic. It's so, I mean, but anyway, I'm happy like to, to, nerd out with you geek out because this is our mission as well. And like, there's so much we're doing. I can't talk about right now, but, um, I know together we could like do some really fun stuff. So congratulations. And thank you. I didn't realize it was 25 years. That is incredible. Bravo.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I know it's, it's a long time and, and yeah, definitely let's connect because I too believe in, in sharing out. And, um, but yes, 25 years, it's been a long time and it's been, I've learned a lot and it's been really fun. I still love what I do. I still wake up every day, just like pumped to start working. And I, I just love this industry and I, I think it's changing in so many cool ways and I feel just honored and grateful to be a part of it.
1: Such a great story, Brooke. Thanks for sharing and love all of your questions. Culture starts at the top, and great customer experience, the only competitive strategy in today's world, is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing.
4: The One Thing, customer experience from the top, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found.
3: And now, it's Hitting the Pan.
1: So we're at the point in our show where we spin the per verbial salon chair and we have a segment called hit the pan. So I'm going to spin the chair and it's spinning in my kitchen and I'm going to have Jillian ask the first question to get a little more up close and personal with Brooke.
3: Um, I admire you because you snowboard and surf and those are two things I've never done and I'm not opposed to trying either one at my age, but tell me, um, what is it like to be a surfer? Like, how would I start if I wanted to try surfing? How would you start?
2: What's it like to be a surfer? Um, being a surfer is, is really, um, I think that it's a great way to learn about life. I think that getting hit with it's, it's really hard. Surfing is hard. It's, there's a lot of paddling, a lot of cold water in your face, a lot of, a lot of like getting hit with waves, getting sucked under the waves, but there's so much reward in being in the ocean and connecting with nature that way. And, you know, sitting on a surfboard and seeing dolphins go under you and, and riding a wave and feeling just that, that energy, it's so rewarding. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, like, Life And that's what surfing is like. I once read an interview with this really famous surfer. I have one of his surfboards and he was 80 and he would have his caretaker fill his bathtub up full of salt water so he could sit in the salt water and remember what it was like to be in the ocean. And um, I always think about that. It's just such a huge part of your life when you're a surfer. And then if you wanted to learn, Jillian, you should come to California and I'll take you. Once COVID is over and we can go out and you need a surfboard and a wetsuit and a easy little beach break that has a sandy bottom and you just go and start playing in the water. It's that's how you start. It's just this fun, playful like day where you experience the ocean. So that's that's how what I would recommend. Can, Good, can let's we, can do we
1: come? Can we come too?
2: (laughs) Yeah, let's all go surfing together. I'll take you all surfing. You as my teacher, (laughs) it's a date. (laughs) So we're going to spin
1: the salon chair again, and it's going to land on Tina.
0: So you are such an adventurer and a maverick. Um, By the way, totally in awe that you surf. And I was going to ask a similar question, but I was originally going to ask you, like, what was the scariest wave you ever surfed? But then that led me to my real question, which is, what scares you?
2: What scares me? Um, The scariest, I'm not scared of very many things. I I don't know why. I just don't have, I I don't, I try not to live that way. I, um, I'm a huge, I read, I love this book. It's a book called Love and Work by Charlotte Joko Beck. She's a Buddhist monk. She's, she passed away, um, but she's from San Francisco. I highly recommend it. It's, it talks about the bottle, bottleneck of fear and it talks about fear and getting through it. Um, But I find my teenage daughter to be the scariest thing in the world. (laughs) That's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of my teenage daughter. And I also have an 11-year-old. And she's. I think she's also um, one of my biggest, uh, one one of the people that, they're the two people that have challenged me the most in my life. And I've surfed in some big, I used to fancy myself a bigger wave surfer. And I've surfed in some pretty big waves where I've been held under, I got caught. I almost drowned. I got caught in a like seven wave set where it held me under for a long time. I started blacking out and I made it to shore obviously and survived, but it was really scary and having two daughters is scarier than that. <laughs> I'll take a I'll take a a big wave any day if I could not be afraid of my teenagers. Oh God, don't tell them to listen to this podcast. Oh, they know I tell that them. That is so
1: funny. That's yeah. great. I love that. Well, surfing's a lot like life, right? Especially being an entrepreneur, you have to ride the waves yep. all day long, every Go with day. Go to energy. So, what a great, what a great skill. <laughs> so we're gonna spin the salon chair again. It's gonna actually land on me. I have so many questions, but the direction I keep headed it heading in. I love that you surf and. You're out in California, but I keep thinking back to your childhood and being a Montana. And do you miss, do you miss those days of, you know, you're connecting in the world on a different level now in a different way, which is so beautiful, but do you miss that part of your past because it sounded like it was very special to you?
2: I miss it more now than ever. Interestingly enough, I've, I've been, especially I think COVID and, and having more time to be, I I think reflective and less, you know, active in the world. I haven't been traveling, and I used to travel so much. I I have been thinking about Montana a lot, and I've been thinking about. I do dream of having a farm again one day and living on living with the land like I did when I was a kid and having that back. And I yeah, so I miss it a a a ton. I have a um, my grandmother passed away a few years ago and she was almost 100 she was 99 and she had she lived in the house that she was her father built and she was born in and when she passed away I was able to to buy it from our family and so I have a house in Montana that um, my uncle's currently living in and taking care of and so someday I do plan on being
1: back there. That's great. That was my last trip before COVID. I was in Montana and we had the best time. Oh, very you special were? Pl- very, very special place. Yeah. Really it's, awesome.
2: It's special. My family homesteaded there,
1: so they've they've been there for a long time. That's fantastic. So, Brooke, tell us a little bit, um, if you can share with our audience how they can reach out to you, um, what would be the best way? You can DM me
2: on my social media that I um, sometimes check. <laughs> Our brand is available at Target and Ulta and um, Pacifica.com and Whole Foods. Um, And we also have our Pacifica Beauty, at Pacifica Beauty TikTok and at Pacifica Beauty Instagram. So you can always DM us there as well. And can you give us a final thought? Stay curious. Uh, I think that without curiosity, we die and it's our life source. I'll go back to another goofy Quote, which is um, not that my quotes have been goofy, by the way, this is my only goofy one, but it's uh, Tom Robbins wrote this book called Jitterbug Perfume. It's such a fun book. I read it when I was young. Um, I still re- reread it. And it's um, his quote is, stay curious and eat your beets. And beets are a life source and curiosity is a life source like beets. And what you, I, I just think that's it's kind of one thing I go back to. And I always tell my kids when they say, mom, I'm bored or what can we do? I'm like, be curious, go, you know, saying you're bored is saying you're boring. Like go out and figure out what something that you can be a part of and something that's interesting. And, um, they, hopefully one day will think I'm not being, um, ridiculous that it will resonate with them.
1: I'm sure they will. So this was a fantastic group of ladies and a wonderful interview. Thank you so much, Brooke, for joining as our guest.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you, Jillian Wright, for joining as co-host. It's My pleasure. And Tina Hedges, great to have you here as a co-host too.
0: Thanks, Abby, and thanks, Jillian and Brooke. It was really fun.
1: And thanks to our audience for listening to these fantastic ladies who have such deep experience in the beauty industry. This is Abby Wallach signing off for Beauty Is Your Business. This has been Beauty is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network, and find prior episodes at dot com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at dot Network.com. Thank you for listening.